Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The loopholes that our system has allowed allows these elected officials who were trusted by the public uh, to use their public funds, their campaign funds, always in the best interest of the public. When they have betrayed that, that trust, it is important that we're not talking about legal fees that go into the a few thousand dollars, but we talk about in the case of Alderman Solis, over $200,000 in legal fees were used from campaign donations that were, pro- that were supposed to be used for other purposes. Hi everybody, I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Alderman Byron Sigjo Lopez. You are the first term Alderman who replaced former zoning committee chairman turned FBI mole Danny Solis in the city council. You represent the 25th ward, which includes a very diverse area that includes Pilsen and Chinatown, Little Italy, the West and South Loop, McKinley Park, Heart of Chicago, and the CHA's Oblahomes and the BJ Wright Courts. That's a lot of turf, sir. Yes, that's right. Thank you very much and- for the invitation, friend. Yeah, and, and a lot of diverse turf, a lot, a lot of people to keep happy. Alderman, three years ago, the Sun-Times lifted the veil on probably the biggest political corruption scandal that this very corrupt city has ever seen. We disclosed that Danny Solis had spent the prior two years wearing a wire and helping the feds build their corruption case against finance chairman Ed Burke, Chicago's longest serving alderman. And it happened only after the feds confronted Solis with his own alleged wrongdoing. We're talking about sordid details that we disclosed, including trips to massage parlors, a constant supply of Viagra, free weekend use of an Indiana farm once owned by Oprah Winfrey for a graduation party for Solis's son and a steady stream of campaign contributions. So now, uh, when the Sun-Times outed Solis as an FBI mole, he disappears, he goes underground. What was it like for you replacing an apparently corrupt alderman who wore a wire to get out from his, un- his own wrongdoing and literally had to disappear? What kind of a mess did he leave behind for you? Were there any files in the office? Yeah, thank you again, Fran, and yeah, we have the, the pressure and honor to represent the 25th Ward. And indeed, you know, when we um, when we got elected, there was no transition. There was no um, there was no files transfer. There was no information um, for office to see even where um, where were things left out. Uh, it was a very tough time, uh, and as you would imagine, in um, in the midst of uh, all these. Uh, 
indictment uh, allegations and, and and the cases of corruption that directly affected the 25th Ward. There was a lot of distrust uh, with of the city, the city government. I think many of us, uh, <clears throat> including Mayor Lightfoot, campaigned on uh, on um, on a mandate to change this legacy of corruption. Uh, in our office, it was uh, you know we were left out with several. Um, several pending matters. And as soon as we uh, enter office, we had a, a, a line of, uh, of attorneys and, uh, and um, other uh, entities that were demanding that uh, we honor promises that apparently were alleged, allegedly uh, were made by former Alderman Solis. So our office had a really difficult time uh, to bring uh, the communities together in, in a time where uh, our communities uh, were um, um, were hurt directly by by um, by corruption. As you, if you look at the indictment, the 106 pages of the indictment process, you you see communities like Chinatown, where a, Ch- a Chinatown parking lot was um, was being um, uh, offered to a developer, a, a transfer from the state to the city, and ultimately a developer that was behind it. This was not the only case of the many deals that former Alderman Solis um, had made or promised. And we were left out with with um, uh, with potential lawsuits. Eventually, some of them became lawsuits. The uh, taverns that were opening up or pressuring uh, without the due process, um, lawsuits with developers that took advantage of um, the uh, corruption allegations. We had to enter a, a, a settlement with a developer that was pushing for 500 luxury units in a community that was um, already experiencing uh, rapid gentrification and displacement. It cost us $12 million to um, to leave that, uh, uh, to settle that. And now we'll be able to to see a project that now is going to take a, into consideration what the community needed, which is affordable housing. Uh, I, I tell you, there were a number of, of these cases and the distrust of the public in the city. So it was a, a rip, and, and, and as I said, not even one single file that was transferred. There was not one single piece of paper in the office when, when we came in. So in, in the midst of, um, of, of, um, of all of this, I have to say that the community really came together. Um, and, and I think my, my special thanks to all the community leaders who came together to help us clean up this mess, who helped us create processes in place. Uh, uh, we have a zoning advisory zoning process now, now guided not by comf- by nonprofits with conflict of interest, but by uh, residents of the 23rd Ward that have helped us. So the leaders of the community, the community uh, gave us a chance uh, to create processes, to put processes in place. And I said, after three years, we're finally uh, getting out of this mess and cleaning up a, a, um, a mess that was left by a corrupt alderman that still, to this date, has not faced any accountability, uh, despite the damage and harm that was done to the 25th Ward. And we finally, after three, almost three years, we're finally just getting out of that mess and can put forward a vision, a collective vision that is really based on accountability, transparency, and collaboration. The 18th in Peoria thing that you say cost us $12 million. What did Solis promise there, and how did the city have to pay that money to get out from under what he promised? So because of the um, the allegations of corruption in a decision that former Alderman Solis had made uh, to change the zoning, given the, the pressure of the community, um, the community pressure on OSI 6.3 acres of the only opportunity that we can have to have affordable housing in a community that saw 
over 14,000 people uh, displaced in uh, or a little bit over 10 years. This rapid displacement directly linked to corruption. These lots were promised at one point, and there was even TIF money used uh, to remediate the lot, the, the lot to, to have the headquarters of the Midwest Jesuits. Overnight, and this is back in 2016, uh, Alderman Solis uh, promised apparently uh, to put forward or push forward around the same time of these allegations, um, promised to have apparently um, allowed or, or, or support this 500 uh, luxury unit project from a New York developer. Uh, the community fought this development. It was critical for us to have a community process that doesn't have to do with the campaign contributions to the alderman, but what is needed in the community. But because the indictment um, process uh, started and the allegations directly at Alderman Solis, this developer from New York took advantage of the situation and took the city to court once we were trying to have a public meeting to discuss this project in the open, uh, the developer, instead of uh, following to a public meeting and discuss this proposal uh, openly, decided to go to the courts and challenge um, the zoning decision that was voted and ratified by city council, uh, taking advantage of the allegations of corruption against former Alderman Solis. Our office immediately, once in office, uh, with dual process, we tried to engage the community in a community process, gave the developer very little room to use this as an excuse. But again, the allegations took us to court in a case that I know for a fact it would have been very hard for them uh, to prove. Mayor Lightfoot, surprisingly, wanted to find a compromise with this developer instead of using, and that's what I think right now many of our colleagues are talking about, more independence in the law department because we need to represent the best interests of the public and not developers of special interest groups. We're fortunate that the law was on our side. We had to even seek independent um, uh, legal advice. And we knew that we had a right to, to go to court. It was clear that the developer at that point found themselves uh, without an argument. But again, initially, Mayor Lightfoot was okay with this development moving forward. Our office even was attacked on the issue of prerogative. What we believe strongly is in community prerogative, open processes, and making sure that the people know what is proposed and the residents. And, and, and with the due process, we vet this proposal. Unfortunately, the settlement, the, the court, um, you know, the, the lawsuit was filed. This was going to be uh, a costly, a multi-year lawsuit. And ultimately, the settle, settlement was done. But we could avoid all of this if we would have an alderman that represented the best interests of the community and did not even think about pushing a, pro a project like that without consulting with the, with the community and without the due process. Now, last week, Mayor Lightfoot told the Sun-Times editorial board that she finds it unconscionable that Solis was, as she put it, walking around on a wire for years, continuing to wheel and deal, and said she was deeply offended that his deal, his deferred prosecution deal with the feds, will keep him out of prison. Now, when you read that story, you texted me the story that Sun-Times columnist Mark Brown wrote a few weeks back. It involved the Penny Whistle Tavern in your ward. Let's talk about this very bizarre story of how Solis's disappearance and his abrupt resignation allowed this Pilsen establishment to get a tavern license with the Lightfoot administration's acquiescence that you, are, you and your constituents are now this week challenging in a lawsuit filed in court. What happened here? Tell us the story from the beginning. So, and, and this has to do directly with the uncovering of, of, uh, uh, of, of the um, 
Solis Mole case when in January of 2019, January 19th of 2019, uh, the Suntans breaks the story of um, Solis' uh, um, involvement as a mole in this federal investigation case. When the story, and, and coincidentally, the same day as the story breaks uh, into the news, the item for lifting a moratorium, a liquor moratorium, uh, on Blue Island between 16th Street and, and um, 19th Street um, was supposed to be heard in the Committee for Licensing, um, uh, the, the Licensing Committee in the city of Chicago. Uh, because of the, the, the story, Alderman Solis doesn't come to committee, doesn't show up when the item was going to be heard. So this item is deferred because there was no alderman uh, to, to vote on that. What instead happened was that a, a moratorium for packaged goods was lifted in this area. We move forward and, and now in um, April of 2019, actually I received a call of uh, another colleague um, in, in city council who I remember this very well because it was in my honeymoon. And I received a call from a colleague that was calling me from a committee in licensing and uh, brought this to my attention that there was an item that have was that was being brought up back into committee um, that had the letter of support of Alderman Solis. Now let's remember that between January and April of that year, I was already just out, become Alderman elect, and me, uh, Alderman Solis in this um, in this letter has a signature during a a time where Alderman Solis was not even being seen. At all, he went missing completely. So my colleague found this irregular uh, to see a letter from Alderman Solis in committee without the alderman present, which is very unusual. So of course the alderman consults with the alderman elect. They say, "Look, I think that uh, perhaps it would be something that can um, be put into uh, on hold, and then you can discuss when your constituents, when you come, uh, when you become officially alderman elect." That is exactly what happened. Uh, the, the committee put this item on hold and gave us the opportunity uh, to have this, um, this item be discussed with the due process. Lifting of li um, on moratoriums, uh, liquor moratoriums in dry precincts, this is a legislative matter. It goes through the licensing committee, has to be voted, and then ratified by full city council vote. Um, the, the committee gave us the opportunity to, um, uh, to have a process, which is the due process, uh, when we came into office, uh, because of the pressure of attorneys on this case, uh, we were receiving multiple uh, visits and calls and even visits to the city council, even in the back room, where very few people have access to, uh, without permission of the, of, of, the, of the administration or the local older person. Uh, we were getting, uh, time after time, multiple requests about this item. We were very clear with the um, with the applicant that we will conduct or due diligence on due process. We, in fact, in July of that year, uh, 2019, we introduced a resolution to review every single permit and, and license that Alderman Solis has promised with the due process. And that's exactly what we did. We had a subsequent meeting uh, with the applicant attorneys, community leaders, and residents who have uh, um, fought for this uh, moratorium back in 1995 this has been in place for uh for over 20 years in our community and so what did lightfoot do in stepping in and bringing this to a head well so mayor lightfoot um mayor lightfoot 
agree in having this. This is the, the irony of things. That's what I find very problematic, the comments that the mayor of Leipzig has made. We do agree that Alderman Solis should face accountability because there's nothing in writing in this deferred uh, persecution um, a deal that, that allegedly he, he received. But it was clear the mayor of Leipzig uh, was pushing for this project. In fact, we had uh, her, um, uh, that is also part of the lawsuit, uh, the, the part of the IG office, the, the Office of Internal uh, Government Affairs, Manny Perez, with Corporation Council, came to the meeting with a commitment to respect the decision of the, of, of the community in that meeting, including the attorneys, in a due process legislative action. Mayor Lightfoot after promising in that meeting to honor the decision of the majority of the residents, we said that we should not leave this moratorium somehow, and, and this is according to the Inspector General, a, a, a blunt violation of the law, Mayor Lightfoot unilaterally decides to settle with this, um, with this applicant that allegedly sued the city for $800,000 because of the broken promise of Alderman Solis. Mayor Lightfoot unilaterally, and at this part of the lawsuit, um, we don't know if Corporation Council on the zone or or with the permission or guidance of Mayor Lightfoot instructs to settle this case, uh, which is also illegal. So I find it problematic when Mayor Lightfoot said that some of these practices were, of course, illegal under, under Alderman Solis. But she continued with the illegality by settling this case in a legalized bribery scheme because I don't know how this permit is 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 able to move forward with all the irregularities that that we found. Mayor Lightfoot instructs Corporation Council in our in in, and I think that's what it was. We're gonna have to uh, show in um in or explain from Mr. Flesner, the former Corporation Council or head of Corporation Council, who resigned just be and just a week before that, he decides to leave this moratorium without consultation, without notification, and without legislative action, which is, according to the Inspector General's report, a blunt violation of the law, and urge Mayor Lightfoot to correct this immediately to be up to code. So this and says- And she has not. Now, she campaigned on a promise to end corruption, bring in the light. She's a former federal prosecutor who rose from the single digits to the mayor's office because she was pretty much the only candidate who had zero ties to Ed Burke. Have her actions in granting this license run contrary to her progressive anti-corruption promises? I- Absolutely. And the facts are very clear that if any progressive or any reformer, anybody who uh, is fighting for reform, one has to listen to the inspector general, which is making a clear recommendation, one. But not only she dismissed it, she doubled down and stated that she stands for her decision, despite of the, the community's uh, multiple testimonies of the harm that this, this venue is creating, despite of the inspector general report, and despite that there was not uh, legislative action. I think Mayor Lightfoot and many of us uh, hope for Mayor Lightfoot to deliver on her promises for the reform and to battle corruption. But we have seen in, in these decisions and the multiple decisions that Mayor Lightfoot has taken that has been, that Mayor Lightfoot has a lot more in common that uh, with Alderman Solis that people uh, uh, even is aware of. I think that in the decisions and with actions, the rhetoric and the narrative doesn't match the um, uh, the actions of Mayor Lightfoot. Mayor Lightfoot on one end is condemning Alderman Solis for their corruption schemes, but on the other end, she's found a way to legalize, which we are going to contest, and that's we're going to court. It is unheard of 
for an alderman to have to go to court to defend our community to make sure that we uphold the law. Something that Mayor Lightfoot campaigned on, but has very, done very little to um, uh, to uphold those promises. I mean, there's many, many promises that she's, she's broken, but the one concern that I have and involves with the Inspector General is the, um, the um, audacity of getting involved in these processes. Let's remember, Mayor Lightfoot has prolonged this issue even to seek for an Inspector General. Uh, and, and it went as far as saying that she's looking for an Inspector General that, quote unquote, is state, they state their lane. That is very stay, concerning. Yeah, who knows, the, who knows how to stay in their lane. That was really very, very troublesome. And yet now the Sun-Times has reported that there are two finalists. One is Deborah Witzberg, the deputy, former deputy public safety inspector general who was hired by Joe Ferguson, who had a falling out with the mayor. The other is a person from out of town who doesn't have her experience. Are you concerned that the mayor is going to stay away from Wittsburg, even though she looks like she looks to be the more qualified of the two uh, because she she wants someone to stay in their lane? It is a concern that I that I share with other colleagues that have expressed a concern. I think it is important that Mayor Lightfoot uh, remain um, neutral in this process, and obviously that the best candidate in this case. I mean, it's clear that we need to look for someone with experience, someone with a track record, and someone who has um, done this job. And I think in Chicago being one of the most corrupt cities in the city of Chicago uh, and the city uh, across the country, it is imperative that we have an inspector general with the credentials, the track record and experience that this job demands. But more than anything else, that the process is respected. And I tell you that it is clear that, and I, and I think what I was hearing even at some point, that Mayor Lightfoot even at some point was not uh, willing to even give um, uh, the, the uh, Deborah, Miss Deborah, a chance Whisper, even for yeah. an interview. Winsburg for an interview. So I think it's imperative that Mayor Lightfoot understands that getting involved in the search of the Inspector General and 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 looking to somehow take away the best candidate or the candidates most qualified will send a very troublesome uh, message to the public that her involvement could have an influence on an inspector general that is a critical office for oversight in a time where corruption has damaged or harmed a lot of our communities. So you would like to see her pick Wittsburg? I think that what, what I'm hearing, and again, I think I will be respectful of the process, but if that is the case and uh, Ms. Winsford is the best candidate of, on the race, she's the most qualified person, there's no reason why she's not chose as the inspector general. It is also important to remember that Mr. Ferguson, during his tenure as inspector general, had overwhelming uh, support, despite even many of the aldermen who are critics of him because, of course, of the, uh, of the oversight that the inspector general office has over us. But it was very important to see when he departed public office that he was praised by even the, some of his um, most uh, vocal critics for the integrity on the office. I think that the office of, of the former inspector general leaves a, a lot of good work. I think that many of us praise the independence and integrity that the officer had under um, um, Mr. Joe Ferguson. I think Deborah could be a very good candidate. And if the credentials, the experience and track record 
prove so, it'll be troublesome if there would be another choice. I also think it's problematic when we see the number of commissioners, the number of, of employees that Mayor Lightfoot brings out of town. We also have to see the outcomes that many of these commissioners have had. Uh, I, I tell you that among the city council members, there's a lot of discontent because of the lack of experience and the lack of knowledge in our wards. But more than anything else, the intervention, the constant interventions without a real understanding of the ground. Would you say that Lori Lightfoot has proven herself to be a phony reformer? Absolutely. And if I, I, and I, I, and what <laughs> and what what is the evidence of that other than uh, you know the penny whistle thing and other and and the ig thing about stay in your lane what what other evidence are we talking about the anjanette young case and her changing story there what where's the evidence that she is a phony reformer well there's so many right but i, I can i can go on on some tick off issues. a few tick off right a few. let's go on a few that are really important uh, for the city of chicago mayor lifeford campaigned to restore the department of the environment when she campaigned for mayor we've seen the issues environmental injustices across the industrial corridors, the general iron, we've seen here now the, the, the SIMS uh, renewal permit. The need to restore the, the, the Department of the Environment is dire. We have seen, we have heard also from the US EPA, the Illinois uh, EPA, that there's need to be coordination and better guidelines and oversight from the city uh, department. We still to this day don't have it, despite of her promise. Another key issue that she campaigned on and later on forgot about it is the elected representative school board. The elected representative school board was a key campaign uh, promise that Mayor Lightfoot uh, made to the public. With the two almost $2 billion that the Chicago Public Schools have received, it is imperative that we have transparency and elected officials or elected representatives in the Board of Education so that we can make sure that we have independent and transparency and accountability in the elected representatives in, 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 this, in the um, Chicago Public Schools. Mayor Lightfoot campaigned on that. The minute that she became in office, not only she did not honor her promise, she campaigned against it and even went as far as lobbying with Republican legislators in Springfield trying to kill the bill. So and lost, think, and lost, and lost. And lost. What else? What else? The that's thing, true. That's true. And the other one that I said that is in terms of housing, that was another thing that Mayor Lightfoot com uh, campaigned on, more, more so, even, even as recent as during her poverty summit, Mayor Lightfoot was working with our administration on a bill that is called the Just Cause for Eviction, a common sense bill so that families in the middle of a pandemic don't give in 30 day notice by New York developers and speculators. And we have a process and a better process so that people who are paying rent, who are not at fault, can stay at home when we're asking people to stay at home. She said that she was supportive of this bill in her poverty summit um, um, uh, conference. But when it came to a vote, not only she opposed it, but she created her own bill despite of the years and the promise that she made to make sure that we have housing is a priority. I think I'm grateful for Commissioner Navarro that has been extremely uh, helpful in pushing other legislation, but the, the promises that were made versus what uh, but Mayor Life will deliver show us clearly that we have no reformer in, in, in city council and we have seen just more of the same. And around the public and her approval, approval ratings, I think suggests that people are seeing the same thing. You have also filed a lawsuit now before the Illinois Supreme Court that seeks to block Danny Solis from using his campaign funds for his legal defense. How much money has he used? Why shouldn't he be allowed to use it? And Burke is doing it. Madigan is doing it. Every other corrupt politician in Chicago has has done it. Why shouldn't this be allowed? Well, we keep this, this, the 
the encouragement or the, the loopholes that our system has allowed allows these elected officials who were trusted by the public uh, to use their public funds, their campaign funds, always in the best interest of the public. When they have betrayed that, that trust, it is important that we're not talking about legal fees that go into the uh, few thousand dollars that perhaps can be uh, perhaps can be tolerated by, by, by the public. But we talk about in the case of Alderman Solis, over $200,000 in legal fees were used from campaign donations that were, pro that were supposed to be used for other purposes. Uh, I think that if, if the campaign donors will, will, uh, will know that they will be used for the legal defense of corruption allegations, I don't know if the contributors will continue to fund that. But more importantly, what you also said, that this has been normalized to the point that we others we have other uh, elected officials. You mentioned uh, Alderman Burke, uh, former Speaker Madigan, have done the same thing, and they have millions of dollars. I think uh, Speaker Ma former Speaker Madigan uh, used over, if I'm not mistaken, in the numbers, uh, uh, seven million dollars that were that were tracked just in legal defense fees. Uh, um, Alderman Burke, another um, hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal defense fees. So we cannot normalize these practices so that uh, these officials can stay in court for years and using the same uh, office and the campaign funds to um, to protect themselves from allegations of corruption. I think that they, use, they should use their own uh, private funds. Alderman Solis actually is receiving a, a special uh, pension because of, uh, of a loophole that allowed uh, elected officials uh, to get a bump into the pensions. So I think that these elected officials need to use their private funds, and because these were done as a as as an individuals in individual cases of corruption, and they're responsible for their own actions. We should not allow campaign contributions to be used for those purposes. A couple of quick topics before we let you go, sir. Uh, the decision this week by state's attorney Kim Fox not to charge the police officers responsible for killing either Adam Toledo or Anthony Alvarez. You're disappointed, but can you quarrel with it legally? Well, the concern, the concern that other cases uh, will continue to repeat. I'm really concerned that our policies have not been acted Quickly enough, Mayor Lightfoot promised a campaign for police accountability within 100 days in office. We're still waiting for the Empowering Communities for Public Safety uh, Committee to be appointed. And we almost, you know, in at the end of the term. So the, the, the lack of action uh, and the lack of legislation uh, that would prevent cases like this is something that is of great concern. So there's not only disappointment, but also the lack of urgency that Mayor Lightfoot uh, has put into an issue that, again, she promised to do within the 100 days in office and the millions of dollars that we as taxpayers paid every year for police misconduct cases. And after the most deadly and violent year that Chicago has endured in a quarter century, the mayor and police superintendent Brown began the year by demoting tactical teams that they claim had done nothing, and also by setting a goal of a million and a half, what they call positive community interactions between police officers and private citizens to rebuild shattered trust. Today, the Sun-Times reported that the Illinois Attorney General's office has branded this a deeply flawed quota system. They don't have the record keeping to show what kinds of interactions are these, whether these reports are accurate, and, and there's a concern about over-policing. What are your concerns about this? Well, the, 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 the interactions that, that, that we have within the Chicago Police Department uh, 
need to be built on in and only trust can be built with accountability. Without accountability, we cannot talk about trust. I think the millions of dollars, the 42% uh, of the budget that goes into policing, very rarely sees any, any audits, very rarely sees any accountability. We need urgently to make sure, and, and the databases and the practices that continue, I mean, I saw Superintendent Brown uh, openly uh, saying that there were changes made uh, to the to the gang database, something that the inspector general directly contradicted. So we cannot have these kind of contradictions to the facts. We need to be factual, and that these interactions with our community have to be always in basis of accountability. Uh, what we see the, the 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 numbers, the violence that has affected our community, uh, eight hundred over eight hundred deaths just this year. And so I'm really concerned with because of practices haven't changed. We have not invest nearly enough in mental health services. We have not nearly enough uh, making sure that um, our investment is done for common sense violence prevention. You know, you 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 had to go to uh, to the county, you know, to get and receive funding for violence prevention for mental health services. So I think that we will see much better results uh, in our world when we have invested in programming in our schools. In, in, in programming in our park district, when being best in violence prevention programs so that we, we develop workforce development programs. I think here in the 20 foot world, we have a great program about digital media so that we can get young people, especially youth at risk in our alternative high schools, engaged in media projects so that they can tell their story. We can talk about the trauma and we can hopefully connect them to workforce development trades and other opportunities. That is what works. But unfortunately, we have put a lot of funding in uh, policies that don't work and very little in those that, that do. The results are for the public to judge. And finally, the casino side at Roosevelt and Clark and your ward. How do your residents feel about that? Well, we conducted, you know, with the Community Advisory Council of the 78 public meetings. Uh, in, in the last public meeting that we had, uh, over 75% of the residents, three out of four residents, do not agree uh, with the casino on this location. There are multiple uh, reasons for that. This is, uh, as you know, in the South Loop and, and uh, Chinatown areas, uh, the concerns about what this will bring to the community, not only in terms of traffic and eroding the quality of life, but also gambling addictions and other externalities. I think that the main thing also that, that residents are concerned is that there was a previous plan that received $1.3 billion in TIF funding that was approved and ratified by city council. There is concerns that overnight this proposal changes without consultation, even with the Chicago, the, with the Community Advisory Council that was appointed by the mayor to oversee this, uh, this project and to make sure that we do uh, or do diligence to make sure that we consult, that we took legislative action and to make sure that nothing moves forward without the consult, consult, consent of the residents. I think Mayor Lightfoot has a responsibility to not only please those campaign donors, and let's remember, a lot of these casino operators have donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to Mayor Lightfoot's campaign. I think it's important that Mayor Lightfoot, as campaign as a reformer, make sure that continues to listen to the constituents. And the constituents will, and of course, I think that the, the whole process has been, in my opinion, backwards. First, I think that we need to talk about what uh, locations are suitable and viable and feasible for this, uh, for this casino, because I understand this is going to happen one way or another. But I think where is it going to happen matters, and it needs to be consulted before, not after the fact. And I think that we see a lot of opposition from our constituents. We have said that this is in 25th Ward, and we will respect the feedback and, and, 
an opinion of the Chica of the community advisory council as well as the majority of the residents in our in our community. Alderman Byron Sitchko Lopez, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck to you and best of luck in your re-election bid. I assume you're running, right? Yes, yes. Thank you very okay. much. And I appreciate all right. the space. And we will see you all next week. Thank you. Thank you, friend.